Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Folks, welcome back to Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World Series. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, we are recording this uh, about a week after the Mets All-Star break festivities. We'll talk a little bit about that later, possibly. But let's talk about what the team has done since returning from the All-Star break. They've gone 3-3. Three and three. They lost 2-3 of three to the Dodgers. They took 2-3 of three from the White Sox. Um, this seems par for the course for the Mets season, honestly. Uh, they had some momentum going into the break, but then lost it right before the break. We talked about they went six and two in the eight games before the break, and now they're playing 500 baseball again. Um, you know, we try to do the sort of a vibe check early in the episode here. How are you feeling about the New York Mets as of Friday, the 21st of July, 2023? Um, pretty much unchanged from the way it felt going into the break. I just don't know how much longer they can play without really advancing um, and expect this season to turn out any differently. You come out of a series against the White Sox, who they've played better since they had a really terrible start, but they're not a good team. Uh, Especially when you look at the difference between the division they play in and and pretty much every other division in baseball. Um, I think it's still true. I don't know who would have the tiebreaker, but the the Yankees and Twins, I think, have the same record, or at least they did going into yesterday. Uh, one of them's in last place, one's in first. So, right. it, you, you know, you 
take care of business. Granted, uh, the series started with a game that they barely held on to win despite scoring 11 runs. Um, and then you have the opportunity to sweep that team. And the way this season has gone, of course, that didn't happen. There, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, it feels like about 500 ball in the second half is more or less what I expect. And that leaves them with a losing record on the season and nowhere near uh, a playoff spot. So yeah, not, not feeling great. Um, I guess if you wanted to try to find the optimistic take, I, I do feel like there just aren't six teams in the national league that deserve to be in the playoffs. Um, sure. <laughs> you know, Arizona has faltered a lot. The Marlins, are coming back down to earth a bit, but I don't know. You can't really just rely on the Marlins, Phillies, Diamondbacks, Giants, um, all sort of, you know, collapsing and assume that the Mets are going to win enough games for that to matter anyway. Like after the series finale, I said to, to you, I feel like it's a lock that they won't even win 81 games. So I don't it, know if I necessarily go that far, but I, I don't. It certainly feels that way, right? Um, yeah, absolutely feels that way. Um, yeah, so I I have a uh, similar, I guess, feeling to how you feel, but I'm going to say I feel a little bit more confident because I think that, like you said, looking at the National League right now, I don't know if there are six teams that have the right to be in the play the playoffs. And I think that some of these teams are going to, you know, fall apart between now and the end of the season. Like I think the Marlins are not a real team necessarily, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think the Diamondbacks are probably not a real team. I think the Giants are maybe, maybe they have something there. <clears throat> you know, I just think that there are enough teams that could collapse the Mets could sneak into a a wild card berth do I feel good about it no no I do not um (laughs) do I think it's it's probable no no I do not think it's possible I do I think it's actually quite possible um but a lot of that depends on how the next week or two goes because even if the Mets decide they're not sellers at a certain point they're going to have to ask themselves some tough questions for instance if they stay pat at the uh, at the at the deadline, I think they still have to make decisions about. Well, you know, someone like Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham left the game yesterday with a groin injury and bugging him for a couple of days. Do if the Mets are out of it, do they still push Tommy Pham to play every day, or do they say, you know what, the season's kind of lost. Let's just let Tommy Pham rest up. And if you let the Tommy Fams of the world rest up, then you're pretty much giving up on the rest of the season, at which point you should have been a seller anyway. So I, I think that there are big decisions to be made. I, I fear that this front office is not bold enough to make those decisions. And I think the only really responsible decision to make at the deadline is to sell. Now, the degree to which they sell is different. You know, I love Mark Canna as a person. I hope Mark Canna is a Met forever in one regard. However, if the Mets can get something from Mark Canna, 
I have no issue trading him. He is not going to be a long-term part of the future of this club, and so I am I am fine with that. I don't think Ken is even the Met next year if he doesn't get traded. I think he probably winds up going elsewhere. Um, unless he just loves New York so much he takes a discount, but players don't tend to do that. So, you know, I'm fine trading him. Brooks Raley, gone. David Robertson, gone. Adam Adevito, gone. Like, get rid of those players. They're not a part of the team's future. I don't know how I feel about a Verlander or a Scherzer. Um, Scherzer, I think, I think if they could trade Scherzer, they might because Scherzer's future with the team is all in his hands, and they might feel that he opts out, or, um, or maybe they don't want to pay him what they feel he's worth for next season. So I understand that they want to trade Scherzer, but I think trading Scherzer is probably a relatively difficult pill at this point because of his contract as well as his performance so far this season. But for Verlander, when you have him under contract for another year, I, I think with Steve Cohen as the owner, you 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 kind of have to expect if this year doesn't go well, well, they'll make another run at it next year. And if they're going to make a run at it, I think you want to do that with Verlander on your team. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, kind of, I don't know. <laughs> yes and no at the same time. I I was always fine with the deals, excited about them even, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like what you're getting from them is not, I don't know. I, I actually, I, I wish I remembered the username of the person, but I think it was somebody in the comment section on Amazing Avenue uh, that made a point that I thought was pretty good. That essentially, if you say, look, just think of Scherzer's three and four starters, ignore their salaries, right? That's what it took to get them here. Steve Cohen's paying for it. Um, Rework the rotation in in a way where maybe Senga is your ace. Uh, You can rework the rotation a little bit and and get somebody else in there uh, ahead of him. Shohei Otani's free agency obviously is going to determine somebody's opening day starter and ace going into next year. Uh, If that's the Mets, great. Uh, But if you can just swallow that Scherzer and Verlander are mid-rotation starters, um, maybe that's not the worst thing to have them around. And I think there's some validity in that point. Uh, the Mets don't have anybody banging down the door um, to really join the major league rotation. I think maybe a couple of prospects might make that case by the end of this year or May or June of next year. Mm-hmm. But we're not there right now. Um, David Peterson has looked better in his major league outings since he returned. Um, you know, he's been to move to the bullpen now, obviously, um, at least temporarily. But if you envision yourself as a contender, if you let Scherzer and Verlander go, and if it's even possible to trade them away, you do still have to go out and bring in somebody to fill those spots. Right. So it, yeah, there's even as someone who tends to believe, especially in hall of fame, like sure thing, hall of fame pitchers, um, finding a way to get it done in their late thirties or, or early forties. In the case of Verlander, it's tough to be excited about them staying, but I can, I can see the logical argument for keeping them. Uh, I mean, essentially you're going to pay 
if you eat half their salary, trade them away, and then go sign somebody else to a three, four, five-year deal um, for the amount of money that uh, that you're no longer paying Scherzer or Varlander, what's that difference going to look like? Are, you know, are you really going to get that much more of a pitcher, and you're spending the same amount of money? Um, right. Know, so, did you did you get a good prospect back, or? Um, did you, you know, did you really upgrade that rotation spot if you were able to dump some of the salary from them? And I don't know, maybe that is possible, but that it's just a lot of moving parts. Um, so all of that said, if they trade them away, I'm not gonna be sad about it. Um, neither player feels like they've really established themselves as, as a Met uh, in a weird way. Obviously Scherzer, uh, and I think it's, it's tough. Baseball can be a little bit unfair, but his signature start for the Mets was getting rocked in the wild card series. Right. And he had a very good season that helped get them to that point. So I hate to focus only on that. Um, you know, just like people would focus on the strikeout with Beltron. Sometimes you just get beat and sometimes you, you don't have it, whatever, you know, the, these things happen. There's only one team that gets to win that title every year. Um, but yeah, it, that, there's not a lot of attachment to these guys, uh, you know, in a way that there is to um, even Sanga. I feel like has that there's a little bit more of like a Mets attachment uh, as a fan. That hey, look, he's he's doing all this, uh, you know, establishing his major league career in a Mets uniform. That's very different from, you know final era uh <laughs> hall of famer sure sure kind of thing so the the yeah. one the one point i i would somewhat why well, i guess there's two things i slightly disagree with there the first is that i i, I think scherzer last season was so good that he will be remembered as he will be remembered for how great that season was as a met um almost like the um you know, people may, maybe they forget now, but like how important Mike Hampton was to the Mets making the playoffs that year when Mike Hampton was a Met before he chose the Colorado School District over uh, over New York. Um, you know, I, I think Scherzer has a chance to do that. The thing I'll be I'll be sad if Verlander never gets that like that chance to have a great season in New York because I think Verlander is a I mean, like you said, like a slam dunk Hall of Famer. A guy who has done just about everything you can do as a starting pitcher in professional baseball. And I want to see that guy win for my team. I here's what makes it difficult about Scherzer and Verlander this year is it's the combination of a lot of, you know, there's a big contract to get rid of, like you mentioned, who you're gonna replace them with. But more than that, that they have not been good enough to bring you the haul that would make it worth trading them, in my opinion. If yeah. if if the, if this if the if Scherzer pitched like he did last year, then you absolutely are trading Scherzer before the deadline, because he has an opt out. He probably will opt out if he's having that great of a year. You can get something good for him because he is going to be elite, and you know, it just seems like that is that's a no brainer. But right now, I mean, if you're a contending team and you're trading for Scherzer or Verlander, what are you trading for? Are you trading for a number three? Are you trading for the hope of a number one? Are you trading for veteran leadership? Like what? What do you see 
as being worth the trade. And I, I feel like no matter what that is, that value is not the same value that's going to net the Mets a a prospect that's going to change their farm system very much. Right. You're probably looking at a marginal prospect at that point. Right? Maybe? Yeah, yeah no, no, no. I, 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 I think you're correct. It's a... I don't know. It's a non-ideal position for them to be in. No. Um, and of course, if Scherzer and Verlander were pitching as well as uh, you might expect, the Mets might have a winning record and be in sure. the playoff position today. Um, but they've had other problems that I think have really been bigger than those two. Yes. But I don't know if each of them had a, two, you know, if they had a 1.8 and a 2.2 something ERA, I'm guessing their record would be a little bit better. Right. Um, this is one of those questions that just leads to a thousand other questions. You know, like if they were doing better, would the bullpen be less taxed and therefore would the bullpen be doing better? If the bullpen is doing better and they're winning more games overall, it's just, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't determine exactly what would happen if they were pitching better, but I think right. you're right. I think they would at least be, if not in a playoff position, they would be considerably closer to a playoff position. I will say, I'm uh, getting ahead of myself here, but if they just stand pat and keep the roster in place and kind of let free agents walk in the winter, make a few adjustments, either you know via free agency and trade, uh, and things just happen to break a lot better next season, Edwin Diaz should like win the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he mattered that much. Edwin Diaz, hundred one wins. No, Edwin Diaz. I don't know. Let, let's say optimistically, eighty two wins. Yeah, <laughs> and then he comes back, and they they do great things. I don't know. Put put that guy's name in the MVP conversation. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we talked about this. I think one other time on the show, but there is only uh, two instances in team history of the team making the playoffs two years in a row, and so uh, you know. Maybe this is just the natural the natural course of, of Mets baseball. Yeah. <laughs> that just every other year has to be miserable. But we'll see. Um, so we mentioned at the top, Tommy Pham has a bit of a groin injury. They have not announced how serious it is yet. Starling Marte was put on the IL yesterday because of severe migraines, which is that the first time you remember a migraine IL stint? Um. I can't say that I can name the player, but I feel like I've heard of that happening before. I don't know if it was with the Mets. Like the closest thing would be the Ryan Church saga, but that that's not a migraine. Right. It's a concussion, and right. it's only a saga because the Mets made him fly with a concussion. Uh, oh, I gotta love that era. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I'm sure it's happened before. But I, if it, you know, I can't name the player that happened too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a little weird because there were some updates that Marte had been taking fly balls and was feeling better and was looking to yeah. come back during the weekend series in Boston. And then he goes on the IL. Um, I don't know. It just like I, after uh, being wrong in being skeptical about Tomas Nito's IL stint earlier this year, I'm going to, I'm going to take them at their word and, uh, believe that he's actually dealt with migraines recently, but it just feels like Marte has not gotten right at all this year. Um, it's possible that he just 
didn't fully recover from his surgery over the offseason yet. Uh, is that why they're putting him on the IL now? Um, that I have no idea, but yeah, it's all a bit weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, they had said on the broadcast yesterday that he was taking fly balls before the game. So it is, it is very strange. The whole thing is very strange. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm not a Met doctor. I don't know. But let's hope that Starla Marte is feeling better no matter what. Um, is there another injury that we haven't uh, talked about? I'm trying to think. I, 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 Marte, I don't know that he is really a trade ship right now. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. Given his performance. But with Fam, it, it is a little frustrating that they maybe didn't come to terms with reality soon enough. Yeah. Um, and you know, if there's this lingering injury, how much is a team really going to take that chance on a guy having a career year who's hurt? Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, look, it's, it's possible for a player to have a sort of uh, significant improvement in their performance in the middle part of their career. We we've seen that happen. Some players just kind of figure something out. Um, but for every Daniel Murphy and Justin Turner scenario, I, I, there's probably dozens of players who just kind of have the randomly really good year and then go back to being themselves. Um, I wish they had capitalized on that with fam a little bit sooner because I, I think the probability is that he's not going to maintain this level of performance. Uh, he's not going to be on the roster next year uh, unless they keep him and, and try to retain him on a multi-year deal, uh, you know, saying, look, you're going to be a starter. You earned that this year. Uh, but yeah, I just, fam to me is the cautionary tale that, if you don't see a way for this team to get back into a playoff spot, trade the players you can trade now before they get hurt. Because every player, every pitch, there is some injury risk. Um, freakish things happen, uh, you know, especially on the pitching side. Pitchers just get hurt a lot. Uh, David Robertson is, honestly, he's having one of the best uh, gears of any reliever in baseball right now. Yeah. Just go ahead make that trade and if you get into a spot where you sneak into a wild card position unexpectedly and you don't have Robertson for that wild card series you, you didn't it wasn't malpractice you were doing what was in the best interest of the team at the deadline and you deal with the highly unlikely scenario and and just roll with it um, I think they're odds of doing that right now are so low that everybody would understand. Um, I'm sure some people would still complain that they didn't have Robertson anymore. If we actually got to that point, but, right, right. but yeah, please just not trade everybody, but um, for my beloved players over 30 who are on expiring contracts, just, just do it now. Yeah. Uh, especially because, you know, every year 
there's a player who's traded at the deadline for a marginal prospect, and that marginal prospect went to being someone special. So just give us some hope. <laughs> Maybe one of these guys will be awesome in five years. I don't know. Uh, so the Mets traveling to Boston this weekend. We were talking before the show that the Omir Santos home run might be the most memorable regular season away game moment in our Mets fandom. And I've been trying to think since, this, since we started recording of some more of them. There's a couple. Like, you know, I think that the, the Super Tuesday in in uh, Atlanta with uh, Wheeler and uh, Harvey making starts, that was obviously pretty fun. But in terms of just, like, iconic moments, I don't know if there's a more iconic moment than that. Do you? Do you have you thought of any others? Hmm. I mean, it's it's tough, especially from like a bad season. There there are some regular season games that stand out to me. Um, you know, from like, like 2006. You know, the, those great great regular seasons the teams have. So, like in the 2006 season, um, there was a great pitchers duel uh, between Pedro Martinez and Brandon Webb. I think the game yes. was scoreless until like the 11th, 12th, or 13th inning, and Andy Chavez hits a walk-off double. Um, I happen to be at that game. Being in person is definitely a factor. Um, yes, yes. But I was not at the game that Beltron hit the dramatic home run against the Cardinals uh, that summer of, of 06. Yes. Um, but those two stand out. I was at the Ramon Castro home run game in 2005. In, I think it was August 30th, and the Mets got within half a game of, of the wild card, yes, the only yes. wild card spot at the time. So there are other moments like that, but having been at the Omir Santos game at Fenway, um, don't worry, everybody. I, I it, This is not my fault. I've also been there when their season ended in 2006, 7, 8, uh, 15, <laughs> 16. And... Uh, well, it didn't end last year, but I went to the Scherzer wildcard game. So it's not simply that I, if I show up, these amazing things happen. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been at all the low points of uh, this century of Mets fandom in person. But yeah, the Omir Santos moment uh, definitely stands out, especially because Papelbon was so on top of his game at that time. And that, that season hadn't gone down the drain yet. I, I remember Jose Reyes... Um, was taking ground balls, you know, during batting practice. And, and you know, he had the injury, but it wasn't quite clear how much time he would miss yet. Um, you know, Delgado had the injury early that season, uh, but the, they had not tanked at the time. So it still felt relevant to that era of the Mets trying to contend. Mm -hmm. uh, it was dramatic. Papelbon, obviously, you know, being who he was at the time, um, the SNY camera or, or the crop, it may have been literally the same camera, but the SNY shot did not, uh, include me, but the Nesson feed, um, Gary Sheffield and I are in the same frame. He's on third base. <laughs> I'm like six or seven rows back, uh, at, sort of at that corner there at Fenway. Um, and both of us are making the home run sign with our, with our hand. Uh, because we both and, and everybody else who was in that vicinity were pretty close to the green monster and saw that it, you know, Omir Santos has, had hit that ball yep. uh, over the home run line and knew it in real time. 
Um, so I, I still have that video clip of all that. So for, for very personal reasons, it's, it's hard to top that game because um, it was just so randomly ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll uh, find a new way to have a moment like that at Fenway this weekend. Maybe this is the weekend that the Mets start a 10-game winning streak that we've been asking for for three months. Hey, why not, right? Yeah. Why not? Well, I, I think that's, that's enough uh, Mets talk for today. Let's talk about some music. Chris, what is your music pick for the week? So as regular listeners of the show know, I have often... Uh, taking music picks inspired by Desert Days. And Desert Days is not happening this year. They say it's happening next year. I hope that's true. I really would miss it if it was gone permanently. Um, pretty bummed, especially with the Mets being uh, not good. Making plans in October sounded like a lovely thing to be able to do. <laughs> and <laughs> that's not happening this year. So in the spirit of no Desert Days this year, uh, I am making an album recommendation of an artist who was supposed to appear at a Desert Days uh, in the past. I think it was 2019. And I, I forget whether it was a visa issue or weather, but uh, the artist is Shintaro Sakamoto. And it may have been some some nasty weather was uh, hitting Japan or in between Japan and California. And he had to cancel and they, they replaced him. I think they replaced him with a good band. Even I don't, I don't specifically remember who it was. Uh, but at the time, I was not really familiar with his work. And some of the friends we made out there were. And when, when that news broke that he wasn't going to be there, they were super bummed out. And, you know, you're in the moment and like, okay, I that sucks. But like, I didn't, I didn't know. So whatever. But in the years that have passed since then, I've listened to his music a pretty good amount. Um and he's got one super catchy song that's on the record. Uh, it's the title song of the record, Let's Dance Raw. And it's just, uh, I don't know, it, it's its relaxing, it's fun, it's catchy, it's all that stuff all at once. And to me, it's uh, there's a really cool mix of like influences in, in the style of music he plays. Um and the fact that he's singing in Japanese, you know, so it, mm -hmm. it, I like that about his music a lot. Um, just a heads up. Occasionally there's a bunch of like weird baby sounds in some of the songs. It's just a thing. <laughs> you, you can get past it. You might even grow to like it. I don't know. Um, interesting choice. <laughs> but yeah, um, that record came out in 2014 and I only really got to know it in like 20. 21 2 um but especially this time of year if you're looking for some good relaxing summer music uh there's a few real gems on the record uh and again let's dance raw shintaro sakamoto yeah uh sakamoto's record like a fable from last year was one of my favorite albums of the year um, oh that's right i remember you yeah love, love that record so yeah I'm, I'm i'm i love this pick uh good job my friend Thank you. Uh, so for me, I am going back to a pick that I picked about a year ago, I'm going to guess. It was about 40 episodes ago, and based on vacations and off-seasons, I'm going to guess that was about a year ago. But it's a brand-new record by this artist, and uh, every now and then you find an artist that when you hear them, it's like, oh, God, where, where has this 
person been? You know, I, I love this. This is so right up my alley. And that's absolutely how I felt when I first heard the music of drummer and composer Brian Blade. He plays in a number of bands, um, but this is his band, Brian Blade, Brian, blah, Brian Blade and the Fellowship Band. The new record is called King's Highway. It's a uh, six or seven piece band. I forget exactly how big it is. Has a couple of uh, saxophones. Uh, guitarist Kurt Rosenwinkel, who is fantastic, who played with the Bad Plus uh, on a tour about 15 years ago. Um, he is part of the band. And the the tracks on this record just do, like, when I'm listening to music, I, I try to really not impose my own thoughts on how things should go. I, I want to I take the journey that the musicians are bringing me on. But every decision that was made on this album, I felt like, oh, man, that's exactly what I would have done in this situation. It's just I love Blade's con uh, just the way he composes. I love his instincts. His uh, piano player in the Fellowship Band, whose name I am now blanking on it, I'm looking up uh, it, sort of his, his co-band leader, uh, John Coward is his name. The two of them, I just absolutely adore the way that they write and there is something just so peaceful and oh, peaceful is almost almost the wrong way to put it their records just they move in this way that doesn't nothing seems rushed nothing seems uh urgent but it doesn't seem laconic either just everything just flows at this beautiful pace and i love the way that he uses specifically the way he uses horns um I think that the saxophone is both the best and the worst instrument in a band <laughs> because when it's used well, I love nothing more. When it's used poorly, uh, I hate a bad saxophone in a band. And uh, this record just is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, specifically, I want to shout out the track, the title track, King's Highway, and the uh, second to last track, Migration, which is a 15-minute track that does a lot of really, really amazing things. So... If you like jazz, instrumental jazz, um, I would highly, highly recommend this album. It's my favorite album of the year, I think, so far. Or, or if not number one, it's up there in the top two or three of the year so far. So, yeah. King's Highway by Brian Blade and the Fellowship Band. And uh, we thank you for listening. As always, please go to patreon.com slash Homer and Applesauce to support this podcast directly. Uh, you can follow Chris. Chris, what social media are you using right now? I mean, my Twitter account still exists, but <laughs> Instagram, if you want to see the music photos, that, yeah, that's yeah. probably a better place to recommend. Still sure. at Chris McShane on Instagram, threads, Twitter. Yeah, I am. I'm just not using Twitter anymore, but same. it's still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Uh, I'm at Brian Needs an App on Twitter, threads, and Blue Sky. I don't, I don't, what do you call it on Blue Sky? Cloud? I don't cloud off. I have no idea what they call it. I just made that up. Um, <laughs> I'm not using a lot of that stuff uh, very frequently, but that's okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, follow us there. You'll see some stuff. And until next time, let's go Mets.